Lord, we've come to the time in this service now when we open your word, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, the sun in all of our tomorrows. We ask you, O God, to give us today a touch of your presence. And I ask you to anoint this unworthy vessel and use me as an instrument in your hands, O Lord, to convey spiritual truth that will enlighten our hearts, strengthen our spirit, encourage us. God, we need that today. And we ask you to move upon us with divine favor and power. In the name of Jesus, everybody said amen. Amen, 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 amen. Used to be a little brother in one of the churches I pastored a long time, and he'd go to sleep, and I'd hit a high note preaching, and he'd jump up, and he'd say, Amen, 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 amen. I think of him often. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we'll probably spill over into chapter 3. Start at verse 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Deep things. What are the deep things of God? The things that eyes have not seen, that ears have not heard, neither have entered into the heart of man. The deep things. But God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of the Lord. We have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. Why have we received the Spirit of God? So we can get excited when we preach or yell and scream glory hallelujah that we might know the things we receive the spirit of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us somebody say grace Grace. freely given to us of God wow you mean God has given a revelation of Things that eyes have not seen, that ears have not heard, that are considered deep, not shallow, deep things of God. And he revealed it unto us by his Spirit. For the natural man, who is the natural man? The person who is unaided by the Spirit of God. The person who has never been regenerated. The person who is what you would call a natural person. And the natural man, he said, receiveth not the things of God. Why? For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Why can an unaided man not know the things of God? Because they're spiritually discerned. They're spiritually discerned. Love the 15th verse. But he that is spiritual can run the back of pews and circle the building in five seconds. No. He that is spiritual judgeth all things. Judge is a little bit awkward word there. Understands. Comes to a conclusion about all things. Yet he himself 
is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. He that is spiritual has the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Third chapter hooks right on there. And he says, But I could not speak unto you, brethren, as unto spiritual. Something has happened that has changed all that. Now, when I speak to you, I have to communicate with someone I consider to be carnal. Carnal. Well, what is carnal? Carnal comes from the same word that ungodly comes from. Carnal means lacking in understanding. Carnal means unyielded. Carnal actually means rebellious. Is it possible that God's got some people sitting around who had a conversion experience but never went any further with God than that and refused to grow and refused to know and refused to become more experienced and just, well, it's a poor pupil who leaves themselves where the teacher left them. When the teacher left us, he didn't leave us to just stay status quo. He didn't leave us with no power or energy for us to get better and to become more mature and more experienced in this business of doing ministry. But he said, I give you power. And he said, after I go away, the comforter will come. And he will enable you. He'll he'll make you empowered to do Christian service and Christian ministry. I've taught you, but I don't expect you to just to plateau out and become status quo. I expect you to keep growing. Come on, somebody. The biggest challenge for the church is keep growing. The greatest challenge for any ministry, anything that God endorses, the challenge is keep growing. In other words, we're constantly in flux. We're constantly changing. Mark gave a real good devotion yesterday about change. And he made this statement. It's inevitable if you keep living. Change is inevitable if you keep living. Hey, look at me. I am proof positive that if you keep living, you're going to change. You're going to change. And what's true in the natural is also true in the spiritual. I hope you're not what you was 20 years ago in God. I hope you haven't grown old without growing up. I hope that along with your chronological years, you also grew spiritually and became more mature and more experienced in the things of God. Because God doesn't want you to just sit and soak and sour. He wants you to keep going, keep growing, keep expanding. I thank God for all the many things he has brought me to in these last few years. And I look back and I say, wow, I wish I would have known that when. Have you ever done that? Have you ever kind of looked back and said, Wow, I wish I would have known then what I know now. So then, you know, wisdom is not so much uh, 
money as it is time. If I had known that, then I would be different now. I would be better now if I would have known that then. So you see, timing is all important. It's all important in everything you do. It's all important in church. In fact, the wisest man who ever lived said, under the sun there is a time and a place for all things. There's a time to live. There's a time to die. There's a time to gather up sticks. There's a time to throw down sticks. There's a time to do all things. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn. Under the sun there is a time for every season, everything. So you might say as we go through seasons, there is seasonal change. Because hopefully in every experience that you've gone through, you learn something. Did that get there? That in everything you've gone through, you learn something. Paul said, I've learned. I've learned that contentment with godliness is great gain. I've learned that whatsoever state I am, Arkansas, Texas, California, Florida, New York, no, that's not the right state. Wherever I find myself is really what he's saying. And whatever consequence, whatever circumstance, whatever situation, I have learned to be content. Content. How do you learn how to sit sturdy in the boat? How do you learn not to become fitful when you become frightful? How do you learn not to be anxious and fractious and ill over things that occur? You see, the longer that you live for God, the less things will affect you. The more you experience, the more you become convinced that, hey, this too shall pass. Everything you go through makes you more convinced that God will see you through. Everything you endure to the end, you become more mature, more experienced, more knowledgeable about how to handle a situation just like that. You can say to people around you, well, I don't know about you, but when I went through that, this is what helped me. and This is what got me through. You have a testimony. You're able to tell people, trust God. Hold on to God. Believe God. Follow God. Walk with God. Amen. Well, how can you say that? Because I've experienced that. I've been through that. How wonderful it is for ladies that are sitting around here today that have been, been involved in chemotherapy and radiation and those kind of things, some more than once. And if I were to hand them this mic this morning, they would say, you may think you can't get through it, but you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You may think that you can't endure what you're going through, but I'm here to tell you, I've been there, and I've experienced that, and I know what I say. You can trust God, and God will see you through. Hallelujah. This church that at one time was a spiritual church, in fact, Paul had planted the church with the help of Aquila and Priscilla and was just 
really excited, moved on and left the church in good hands. But eventually, something must have happened that they changed, not for the better, but they became carnal more than they were spiritual. And he said, I, I have fed you with milk and not with meat because hitherto you were not able to bear it. Is it possible that an attitude of carnality can cause us to have deaf ears to the word of God? That there are certain things that sowers of gospel seed cannot preach to us because our attitude is so indifferent that it falls on deaf ears? Is it possible that our mindset has become so ineligible to receive meat that we can only tolerate milk teaching and milk preaching and milk advice and counseling? That's a terrible tragedy, isn't it? Anybody like meat? Oh, two or three hands going up. Maybe you like milk better. You see, milk element of the gospel deals with those themes that are unoffensive. Milk doctrine, milk teaching is universally accepted by us all. God is good. You're supposed to say all the time. That's good milk preaching. God loves everybody. You should say amen. amen. That's good milk preaching. Amen. Praise God, we're all going to heaven one of these days. God is going to send his son. And praise God, we're going to heaven and all will be different then. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. Praise God. Everybody should say amen to that. That's great milk preaching. You won't offend anybody preaching like that. But then one of the one of the toughest meat preachers I know is James. James talks about tongues that are set on fire with coals from the pits of hell. I don't expect you to say amen to that. He talks about springs that give forth bitter water and sweet water at the time, same time. Hypocrites. Boy, if, if your feelings are thin, don't do your devotion in James. James is not a middle-of-the-road kind of guy. To him, it's yes, no, right, wrong, left, right. There is no middle ground with him. Brother, he just, what is it? They say, cause a spade a spade. I guess so. Paul said, I fed you with milk, not with meat, for you weren't able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. And he says, for... The reason that of your carnality, listen to what it said. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and division. There's nothing that can disqualify a church from God's presence, God's anointing, and God's spiritual blessing than carnality through division and strife. Could I stop long enough to tell you God is nowhere near division. God doesn't believe in subtraction. He's in multiplications what God is. 
He's in expanding. He's in adding. God always will be found where there's peace and where there's harmony and where there's goodwill. He's never found where there's bigger. Hey, I want to tell you, there's no fight like a church fight. I said there's no fight like a church fight. Ugly. It's ugly any way you look at it. It's ugly. And the Bible just condemns it. Everything about it is is evil and wrong. And the Bible even said God hates it. He hates discord. He hates sowing discord. He hates rumor. He hates innuendo. He hates that kind of thing. He hates character assassination. But if we look close at this church at Corinth, that's what we're going to find. Wow. Because we get to a passage here where he starts talking about for while one, verse four, for while one saith, I am of Paul, and another says, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? You mean it's carnal for us to choose favorites at the expense of another? You mean it's carnal for us to feel allegiance to one and resistance toward another? I'm just telling you what the Word says. The Word says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere human beings? That's the NIV. King James just says carnal. Carnal, which means what? To say or to ungodly. Listen to this. For while one saith, I'm of Paul, another of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But just ministers by whom ye believed as the Lord gave to every man. Now, the Bible tells us that God gave gifts to the church. They're called ministry gifts. What are they? Number number one is the one we don't have much of today. What God God calls number one, we put to the back of the list. Evangelist. And he gave some evangelists. Then he gave pastors. Then he gave teachers. Come on, somebody. And those ministry gifts are gifts that God gives to the church. Why? For the edifying of the saints. For the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. For the blessing of every person in the house. Edifying of the whole body. So then God doesn't just come to bless one or two. When God comes to bless He comes to bless everybody. Oh, hallelujah. Because his gifts are given to the church. Now, I'm not talking about spiritual gifts. I'm talking about ministry gifts. Well, now, what happened to this church is the introduction of Apollos. When Apollos came and showed up at Corinth, Apollos had a whole different kind of ministry than the apostle Paul. The ministry of Apollos was he was eloquent of speech. He was intelligent. And the Bible said he was mighty in the scriptures. Mighty in the scriptures. Eloquent. 
Well, what's the problem with that? But nothing. It's great. It's commendable. It's wonderful. Well, why, why, what was the problem? Well, Paul didn't preach like that. Paul said, my preaching and my ministry is not with enticing words. I'm not eloquent of speech. Could be, but I'm not eloquent of speech. My preaching is not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but it's in power and demonstration of the power of God. Which is good. Which is wonderful. He said, brother, when I preach, he said, praise God, the power of God gets on me. I just have this anointing about me and I preach and I just have this great, great power and this deliverance under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. While Apollos was very eloquent of speech and very learned. Both are good. What's the problem when people start selecting their favorite? And because I like him, I have to don't like him. Come on, somebody. For me to like him, I've got to not like him. And that's where the carnality comes. Come on, somebody. And it caused such a church fight that they were choosing sides that Paul had the tutor and the mentor, the founder, the planter of the church, had to write to him and say this, Who is Paul? Or who is Apollos? He said, They're just planters, and waterers. One plants, the other waters, but God gives the increase. Sorry, I just leaned toward Paul just a little bit. Glory to God. One is great, the other is great also. One is necessary. The other is necessary also. One is beneficial. The other is beneficial also. But you don't have to hate one because you prefer or love the other. Amen. And then he gives a startling statement. He said, Neither he that watereth nor he that planteth is anything. Both of them are nothing. You mean you're going to split a church over nothing? You mean you're going to lose friendship over nothing? Come on, somebody. Did anybody come to help me preach today? Glory to God. Planting and watering gives us a beautiful description there in the midst of that tutelage to try to correct the problem at Corinth because they had a lot more problems than one. They had incest. They had fornication. They had leaders that were doing sinful, wrongful things. It was a terrible situation. They had mass 
displays of the flesh under the banner of spiritual exercise. But they had a lot that needed to be addressed. But the wonderful thing for us is this metaphor here of how God goes about doing his destiny for us and his will for every one of us. For every one of you in this house, I want you to say something. Ready? I'm planted. I'm planted. I'm planted. I'm not a wild weed that just grew up somewhere. I'm planted. Woo. First division of the Psalms said, Blessed is that man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Woo, glory to God. And he shall be like a tree planted. Hey, God planted you. Blossom where God planted you. Be fruitful where God planted you. Be faithful. Be a blessing where God planted you. Oh, that's good stuff. I like that. God plants us. We're not just a faithful occurrence. We have a purpose. We have a plan. We have an agenda that God has given to every one of us. We didn't just happen as an accident, a weed that just grew up somewhere. No, God placed us and God planted us and God put us in a place. And the Bible said he planted them by a river. Planted by a river. What does a tree need? But it needs some water. Praise God. It needs some water. So this dichotomy of doing ministry, one plants, one waters. Let's break that down a little bit. Let's talk about planting first. The Bible said, He that goeth forth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Jesus spoke a parable in the Gospels about a sower that went forth to sow seed. And he identified later where the disciples asked, what is the seed? He said, it's the gospel. And he said, what is the ground? He said, the ground is the hearts of men. And he said, some of the seed fell on stony ground. In other words, it never had a chance. I've preached some sermons before, Brother Charles, where I wonder if it ever had a chance. It's kind of like Brother Hughes said one time. He said, I preached when the anointing was upon me and the words came wafted on the wings of morning, dripping with the anointing oil of God. He said, other times I preached when I had a real good anointing. Sometimes I preached when I had some anointing. And he said, sometimes I just preached. That's called being instant in season and out of season. Sometimes you got to preach when there's some anointing or little anointing. Tough enough when there's no anointing. It's the one thing that we've got a guarantee about, Brother Sam, about bearing this precious seed. He said, my word will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish the purpose whereunto it is sent. You see, for every one of us, God planted into the human condition 
God planted a seed. The human condition was sin. And the curse of sin was death. And the penalty was hell and the grave. But Jesus, somebody say, but Jesus. But Jesus was the messianic seed. It's first introduced to us in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where we have the proto-evangelium. In other words, it's the first mention of Jesus in the Bible. When God said, the seed of a woman, glory to God, shall bruise the head of the serpent. Praise God. That's called the proto-evangelium. It's the first mention of Jesus. And the first mention of Jesus was a divine seed. And he said, the seed of a woman. Every other place in the Bible, it's the seed of a man. Where do we get this seed, preacher? When God said, let there be. You see, God put within every living thing a seed. If he hadn't done that, Natalie, he would have to come down and create every day. But he said for us to procreate. That means he put seed in us. The Bible said, and every seed after its kind. Glory to God. I'm preaching now. So he wouldn't have to come down and do a miracle of creation. He put inside us a seed to reproduce after our own kind. And he tells us to replenish the earth. To populate the earth. So every other living thing, birds and plants, all things that live have a seed. Jesus was the messianic seed. But he wasn't the messianic seed of a man. He was the messianic seed of a woman. How can a woman have seed? Because seed is of the male. But he says the woman, the seed of a woman. Well, you have to understand the birth of Jesus was unlike any other birth. The pregnancy of Mary was unlike any other pregnancy. The Bible said that holy thing which is in you shall be of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost overshadowed her and she became impregnated with the divine seed. She never knew a man. It was the seed of the woman. Wow. Because her birth was a virgin birth of the Lord Jesus. And God inserted that messianic seed into our human condition so that his coming to us in the form of Bethlehem's baby, hallelujah, that grew up to become the savior of the world, that bore upon his shoulders the cross of Calvary and nailed our sins to his cross. And the Bible then says that we now have peace with God through the blood of his cross. Because God planted a seed in the garden of sin, 
Hallelujah. There arose a Savior. His name is Jesus. He's the Alpha and He's the Omega. He's the beginning and He's the end. He's the Christ, the Messianic Son of the living God. Hallelujah. He's the Deliverer of Israel. He's the excellence of God's grace. He's the faithful friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's the gift of God's love. Hallelujah. He's the Holy One of Israel. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the justifier of our souls. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. He's the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He's the narrow way that leads unto life everlasting. He's the only begotten Son of the living God. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the qualifier that brought us into favor with God. He's the Redeemer of lost souls. He's the Savior of the world. He's the treasure that every heart longs for. He's the ultimate life that has ever been lived. He's the victor over every enemy and every foe. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the xenolithic rock of our salvation. He's the yielded servant of Jehovah. He's the zeal of God that will perform it. A to Z. He is all and in all. It hath pleased God that in him all the fullness of the Godhead should dwell bodily. Praise God. Is he your all in all this morning? Could you lift up a praise and an anthem unto our God? What a great God he is. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Because God planted a seed into the garden of sin. Praise God. And brought about redemption. He's history's brightest star. He's music's sweetest melody. Oh, bless be God. I better get on with this planting thing. I, I get to preach it about Jesus. I'll keep you here all day. Planted. Planted. That he planted in us. In Genesis chapter 8, the Bible tells us that for time immemorial, God said, there will be day and night. There will be heat and cold. There will be seasons of the year. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. In other words, God has this idea of creation and procreation. And he said, as long as the earth endures, that's the way it's going to be. Oh, blessed be God. The seed. Jesus said, except the seed fall to the ground and die. He said, that it won't live. But he said, but if it dies, it'll live again. You're talking about agriculture today, preacher. You're talking about farmers? You better believe it. You know what the word agriculture means? Agra. Agra literally means a corpse, a shell. Cult. We know what a cult is, don't we? 
If you look it up in your dictionary, it's a people of a religious persuasion that is unorthodox. In other words, they don't believe right things. They're a cult. That's why we call them a cult. So then when we talk about agriculture, we're talking about a seed that is planted in a place. It didn't just grow up there by happenstance. It's a, a planted thing. It is a corpse, a seed, a shell. That's what I tell you when we roll people around here to funeralize them. We tell you we've got the shell here. And we're going to go out here with this shell. And we're going to put this shell into Mother Earth. And this corpse is going to go out there in Mother Earth. It is a seed. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him. That's not that body that thou sowest. Thou sowest not that body that shall be. But God. But God. But God. It might be a body that had cancer. But God. It might be a body, a seed, a corpse that had heart trouble and died. But God. It might have been a, a body that had a disease, liver disease. But God. God, whatever you put in that ground, it's unorthodox. It don't belong there. Because when God says, on that great and notable day of the Lord, live, that body will be changed from that seed we put in the ground and will be raised an incorruptible seed. Some of you are here, sitting here today. You're not supposed to be here. Where you come from, you're not supposed to have made it. Some of you come from abuse. Some of you come from addiction. Some of you come from all kinds of frustration and anxiety and fright and fear. And you're not supposed to be here. But God. But God. Oh, you're, you're, you're unorthodox today. You're not, not supposed to be where God's planted you. You were one of those seeds that wasn't supposed to make it. So praise be to God. It doesn't matter where you come from. What really matters is who God is. And what he did in your life, how he changed you. Oh, you may not supposed to be here, but praise God, you're here by the grace of God. You're here because God can take something that's unorthodox, that's not supposed to be, and he'll change it into something that's good and something that's blessed, something that's holy, something that's righteous. God will take you and he'll change your surroundings. No matter what the label is the devil puts on you, no matter how many people have criticized and said you'll never amount to anything, God is the one that plants you. He's the one that has a destiny for you. He's the one that gave you life. He's the one that gave you spiritual life and a transformation into becoming who you are right now. God did it. Oh, it's important to be planted. But I want to tell you something else. Come on, help me quit. I'm not half through, but I'll try to quit. 
Come on and play for me, Connor. You better hurry there. Look like they're hungry. Water. Brother, I found out something the last few days more than ever in my life. If you want something to live, it better have some water. There better be some water. You know, the Bible talks about water as if it is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The Bible said, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And this spake he of the Spirit. Spirit. In other words, he says that in every one of us, there is an artesian well of the Spirit. Watering our lives. Watering our home. Watering our family. Watering our business. Watering our lives. You see, that seed that God planted, it's got to be watered. Oh, there'll be a preacher that'll come along that'll plant a gospel seed. And life will be realized where dead things used to be. There'll be a resurrection come about when that seed gets planted in some good soil. But oh, it can't make it unless somebody pour some water on it. There's got to be a preacher that comes along that waters the seed. There's got to be some time every day. I hope you come in contact with water every day. It's called a bath. I hope physically that you're in touch with water every day. I also hope that you come in contact every day with this spiritual water. This water that Jesus said if you drink of that water, you'll never thirst again. This water that Jesus said is so powerful that you can't get it anywhere else. This water that is so life-giving that you can pour it on something dead and suddenly there'll be a resurrection. There'll be life that appear simply because you put some water on it. Glory to God. I want to tell you this morning, some of you need to quit watering what God never intended to grow. All right, you were shouting a minute ago, don't you quit. See, there's some things that tries to take root in your life that God don't intend to be there. So while you're watering the things that God wants to be there, be sure you don't pour any water on that weed that God doesn't want to be there. Some of you need to understand that you don't need to let your feelings be subject to people that don't value you. You need to quit watering that. I do good preaching when it gets quiet. I said some of you need to quit wasting your feelings on people that don't value you. You're trying to make something live that God don't intend to be there. You need to quit giving life and quit giving feelings to things that God says that don't need to be there anyway. Woo, man, we're going to have an altar service in a minute. It's going to be great. The Bible said lay aside 
Somebody say lay aside. Lay aside the sin which doth so easily beset you. Get out there and get your, your gardening attitude on. And go out there and look, look close and find. Like that, that man that prayed in the Bible, David, and he said, Lord, look into my heart and see if there be some wicked way in me. See if there be something in there that I've been watering all these years that you never intended for it to be there in the first place. Come on, somebody. It may be that the heartache that you're going through and the pain and the suffering that you're enduring that lingers and lingers and lingers is a weed that God said, quit watering it. Amen, Amen, pastor. If you won't amen me, I'll amen myself. See, God has a destiny for you. And you need to quit letting all the pessimistic, negative things keep you from being what God destined you to be. You're planted. I said you're planted. You're not an accident. You're not a weed that grew up by faith and by chance. You're a fruitful, fruitful plant. And Jesus said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. I'm the vine. You're the branches. And he said, Every branch in me that bears fruit, the Father prunes it. Anybody in this house ever been pruned? I have. You ever had some things that you thought would always be a part of your life? You ever had people that you thought would always be with you? Had Ever had things that you thought it's always going to be this way and suddenly it's not that way anymore? Come on, somebody. Have you ever been in a situation where you had it all planned out? You had next week figured out, next month figured out, and next year figured out. You know where you were going to be and what you were going to be doing and what it was going to feel like to be this way. And suddenly, boom, in one puff of smoke, that all went away. You see, none of us have that promise of tomorrow. And God said, don't worry about it. I tell people that that tell me they have cancer. I say, well, don't worry about tomorrow. Well, they told me I only had six months. I said, don't worry about that. Just live today. Keep on living. Keep on being the plant that God intended you to be. One of our friends out there where we golf, he found out he had cancer. Came over here to the church and in that room right up there, Don and I prayed with him, and he accepted Jesus. And I told him that day, I said, you need to start living life one day at a time. You need to stop expecting six months from now and this and that. Just live today. Live for God today. And I told him something. I said, you win either way. I said, either way, it's going to be all right. Whatever happens. Now that we've prayed, now that you've accepted the Lord Jesus, that's been what, three months? Three months? When I drove into the parking lot, I saw Don talking to him. And he was telling Don, the only thing I regret is that I waited till I got in trouble before I started seeking the Lord. He said, I hate that I I wasted all of those years. He said, I wish that I'd have come to the Lord. If I knew then what I know now, about the peace that he can give. He said, I'm not afraid. 
I've got peace. I know everything's going to be all right. And he said, I just wish I'd done that before. And you know what's happened? He's living such a life now in front of that bunch of thugs that he runs with out there that they're all scratching their head wondering how in the world he keeps going and keeps a smile on his face and keeps a good attitude. And he's able to testify and say, it's Jesus. It's, it's Jesus. And he's, he's planted me. I'm not a mistake. I'm not a weed. I'm a plant that's going to have some fruit on it. And the Lord's going to get some fruit out of this life. And as I, I left him, I turned and I said, I was talking with your son just the other day. And I said, he told me, he said, Brother Jerry, I need to do what my daddy has done. And, I, and he looked at me and he said, you know, if all this happened just so my family could get right with God and get in church and get straightened out with God, he said, it would all have a purpose and have a meaning. You see, when you get to a place that you realize I'm planted, I'm not going to leave here one day before the Lord decides for me to leave. Amen. I'm in his hands. My life is hid with God in Christ. He's destined for me to be planted where I am. I am who God says I can be. I can do what God's word says I can do. Amen. I can, I can live the way his word tells me I can live because I'm planted. He's got a purpose for me. I'm not just an accident. I am a destined person of God. Stand with me all over this house. Brother Paris, I could preach all afternoon. Great Lord. Like somebody said, oh Lord, help him Jesus. I used to have a little woman, her name was Sister Hankins, sat on the front seat. Her seat would be right there in this church. And she couldn't hear it thunder. And she'd say amen to everything I said. And I'd tell her, I'd say, Sister Hankins, I say some things you don't need to say amen to. But her, her little saying while I was preaching, she'd say, God help Jesus. God help Jesus. God help Jesus. <laughs> I once asked her, I said, Sister Hankins, what do you want God to help him with? She said, oh, I want God to help you. <laughs> I just heard somebody say, God help Jesus back there in the back. I want you to leave here having a new awareness that you're not just a happenstance. You're not a weed. You're planted. That God intends. And that you've determined that you're not going to water things that God doesn't intend to be in your life. Quit giving things life that needs to die. Needs to die. Throw off all of those dirty garments and put on a garment of praise. I said, put on a garment of praise. Let me ask you all a question. Have you got your praise on? Did you wear your praise garment to church today? Or did you leave it hanging in the closet? Now, Brother Jerry, I saved my praise garment for special occasions. Well, great Lord, I'm telling you, it's for everyday wear. 
you get that thing out of the car. Well, I didn't want it to get wet. It's raining outside. I got it wet. Hey, it works wet or dry. It works in heat or it works in cold. Put on your garment of praise. Amen. Praise God. Put on your, your garment of hallelujah. Put on your garment of how blessed is your name, God. Oh, put on that garment of praise. Get those ashes of depression and despondency. Get them things out. Quit wearing that old sackcloth. Quit wearing that old, that old junk about mourning. Get rid of that. And we're not mourning. Praise God. I serve a risen Savior. I'm not mourning over his death. Praise God. I'm celebrating his resurrection. Praise God. It's not a time for me to wear mourning clothes. It's time for me to put on the garment of praise. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you something, Harvest. If you want to fill these pews up and these chairs up, if you want to do that, Bring your garment of praise. Nobody, nobody wants to go to a church where they're dead, dry. Nobody wants to endure a service where we don't have on our garment of praise. People want to go where there's some excitement. People want to go where there's some enthusiasm. People want to go where folks are zealous and zealously affected about their walk with God. They, they, they are, uh, the reason they're here is they're hunting somewhere. The reason they come is because they're tired of living in the doldrums. They want to come out of the doldrums and get with some folks that are rejoicing and are happy about who they are and what God has done in their life. Oh, it'll be a great day. I said it'll be a great day when harvest becomes a praising, worshiping, on fire, enthused, zealous church for God. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Now pray it with me. It's a prayer of profession. I am healed. I am blessed. I am encouraged by the Word of God. This week, I will live and practice what I've learned in this service. And God has planted me. And I will be fruitful in Jesus' name. I will be successful. I will be prosperous in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, for 30 seconds, give him the best praise. Let me test you to see if you've got your garment on. shouting around a Pentecostal church years ago and somebody said to the pastor said tell them, to, them hypocrites to sit down over there he said y'all sit down they just kept on shouting one of them recently said hey he said sit down he wasn't talking to me 
My God, if you've lived right, you've got a right to shout the praises of God. If you bore the cross, if you've endured, you've come to God's house, you've got a right to shout the praises of God. Amen. You've got a right to praise Him. Hallelujah. That little banker that come to church one Sunday morning in Montgomery, Alabama, Ellis Holt, he and his wife and sat down. And he sat down behind one of my blessed little old always wear your garment of praise members. His name was Brother Holder. Brother Holder was a first verse, first song, garment wearing praiser. You didn't have to sing long before he got out in the aisle. And he'd dance his way down the aisle, you know. He'd come down the aisle, you know, dancing. He'd go back to his seat. When I'd preach, he'd come down the aisle. Charles, he'd point his finger at me like that and shake his finger at me. That Sunday morning, he walked in, never been in a Pentecostal service in his life. Had back, I was back when we wore those little clip-on ties, and I don't reckon Brother Holder could tie one anyway. Had a little clip-on tie, and he took his tie off and walked by where Ellis was sitting and laid it in his lap like that and said, Here, brother, hold this while I shout. <laughs> Can you imagine? My staff was just going crazy. Oh, God, he's going to embarrass us. And when he went back to get his tie, he reached over to Ellis. He said, brother, you need what I got. <laughs> we went through the service Sunday night. Sunday night, we got back home. Gary was over there at the parsonage, and Gerald and Linda was over there. We were eating cake. And phone rang. I went over and picked it up. He said, brother Irwin, this is Ellis Holt. I said, hey, Ellis, how are you? He said, I'm not doing so good. I need to talk to you. I said, okay, I'll be in the office in the morning about 9 o'clock. He said, no, it can't wait till 9 o'clock. I got to see you now. I said, what's the matter? He said, every time I close my eyes, all I can see is that little old man with his hand stretched out saying, you need what I got. Carlos, I went over there to the church, my office, and prayed with Ellis. Praise God, they became great members and great workers in the church. I want to tell you, what you think is too upsetting for folks is exactly what they need. I said it's exactly what they need. Rosie, I invited a little lady to church this week. And she said, well, do you mind if I just slip in and sit on the back seat? I said, no, that don't bother me at all. I said, you'll find out that God's power and God's presence, it can go from the back door to the pulpit. It, it just flows a little bit of everywhere. I said, if you want to hide, you can get over and hide, I guess. But I said, don't be surprised if you come walking out of there. <laughs> hey, God does miraculous things when people just simply let him be God. Just let him be God. You don't have to be fractious or embarrassed or for, hey. Just boldly say it. You know what I found out? I found out churches are interested. Interested. A Baptist pastor and I have been talking. We're going to do a four-night meeting. Two nights at Harvest. Two nights at his church. He's going to preach. I'm going to preach. We're going to do a little experiment and see if we believe what we say we believe. That we can love one another. That we can worship with one another. 
Now, the worst thing that could happen is for him to have more people here than I've got. (laughs) So you get your little magic marker out. When I give you the date, you ring around on your calendar because your happy self better be sitting on one of these chairs. Or you ain't never heard a sermon like you're going to hear on Sunday morning. Just kidding. But I believe it's an opportunity. The pastor at Golden Springs Baptist called and said, Brother Jerry, I hear y'all getting up a meeting. He said, I think we'd like to be a part of that. Brother Harold Payne called me and he said, Brother Jerry said, I heard y'all was getting up a meeting where y'all was going to get together. I said, yeah, we are. He said, you let me know when it is. said, our church is going to support that. You mean churches are in favor of us worshiping together? I believe they are. I believe they are. And I believe God is going to do something great. I believe he's going to do something good. No, I don't know what time yet. It's still in the embryonic stages, so don't get out of here and tell anybody. I'll tell you when the time is. But I want you to know this. You be praying about that because that's an opportunity for God to do some great things. Do some great things. If we're going to heaven together, then praise God, we ought to be able to worship together. Don't you believe that? I believe it with all my heart. He came walking in. I'll tell you this, then we'll go. came walking in. He said, Brother Jerry, I met with my deacons last Sunday night and said, they're, they're ready to go. They said, let's go. I said, well, I'll ask the whole church because I'm expecting every one of them to be there. So that's what we're going to do in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God, I thank you for the power of your great spirit that's touched our hearts this morning in planting and sowing and reaping and watering. God, help us to become zeros like Paul was a zero. A zero like Apollos was a zero. And God, help us to put you first. That you're the, the whole number in front of all of our zeros. Because that makes you bigger and greater the more zeros we add. I ask you to touch us as we depart from this place and go to our homes. And help us have an enjoyable time with our family and friends today. And God, just bring us back together Wednesday night with another great outpouring of your spirit. We pray that prayer in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. 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 God bless you. You're dismissed. Shake hands and be friendly. You better be friendly whether you shake hands or not.